And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jedi and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now they never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Jedi's and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Bad Batch. In this episode, as the seeds of rebellion for, uh, for, 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 Someone had a typo. As the Seeds of Rebellion starts on Ryloth, the Empire schemes to squash it. There will be a Bad Batch Light episode because this is a Star Wars Rebels prequel. We're talking about the Bad Batch episode 11, Devil's Dill, this week. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, not bad. <laughs> I was telling Chris beforehand, I've had a day... We had a gas main leak on my road, and we have been like sheltering in place all day, and we couldn't find our cats outside. And it was, it was a day, and I'm happy to be here podcasting with you because it's a day. Ah, <laughs> oh. but I am excited. I'm gonna go see my mom next week, so get to see my mommy and my sisters and all my nieces and my nephews and they're all gonna be there and I get to see their faces and my niece is graduating high school and I'm an old person now because I remember when I held her when she was just born and now she's an adult she's an adult Chris That's what they I don't do. like it oh just wait Hope just wait When no no like when my youngest Who's my youngest? It would be... It'd be Linnea. So when Linnea graduates... No, it'd be Rhett. When uh, Rhett becomes an adult, I'd just be like, Oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh, you mean that'll be any day now, Hope. Don't worry. I'm going to blink worry. and they're all going to be in, like any lawyers and college now. and shit. Ugh. Ugh. How are you this week? Not bad. Not bad. Busy work week? It's gearing up. It, we are definitely entering the uh, the catering season, which means I've just been idling along all winter, just sort of doing the work-a-day job of the restaurant. But last week, it all came crashing last Thursday. I, was, I get into work, and I work for about an hour and a half, and they're like, oh, yeah. You know, Kelly's take it once he over at the uh, other other place. They need, you know, 300 cornbread or whatever. <laughs> mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that started. It always feels like it's a month in the future. And then all of a sudden it's here. And like you're saying, your niece is graduated. We're going to have a lot of graduations that we're going to do. There were people coming in today, picking up menus, talking about about doing some catering and yeah it's all gonna happen the weddings will start <laughs> the weddings they're coming we have one with the with the um the the city bus company 
you know, the, the Rochester, the Rochester transit mm -hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> I mean, they, they have so many people that work there <clears throat> they work and there's an overnight shift of people who like, you know, gas up and clean the buses and stuff. So there's like, you know, basically just 24, three, eight hour shifts running and we have like two days where we just like have a have a catering for like 600 people for each shift so like we have to bring 600 people's worth of food make and bring 600 people's worth of food into each shift and one shift is like one shift you know it's we have to bring it in close to their break so it's like 2 33 in the morning that we got to deliver all this food out to them and then back in the morning and bring them out some for the morning shift <laughs> so yeah that's later on in the summer though. That's that's still that's like a couple months off. That's one of the like cappers of the whole <laughs> summer every summer. You but, guys, you know, who knows what who knows what we'll get, you know, between then. You guys have to get like matching shirts that instead of saying like winter is coming, they say weddings are coming. Yeah. The, the for our restaurant it's really Father's Day is coming. Father's Day is 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 ground zero. We, not that we don't get busy for Mother's Day, but like, you know, Mother's Day restaurant is more of like, a, a you know, traditionally going to be like not some a barbecue place, place. someplace <laughs> fancy, you know, maybe a violinist playing or at least violin music, play, you know, just a glass of wine, madame, you know, and and but dad, it's like take him out to throw some barbecue down his throat and it goes crazy. I mean, we we had a crazy <laughs> Right, that's what dad. Like dad doesn't want some fancy shit. Dad wants what dad want. Like, just imagine like a man wearing a basketball hoop and just being like mouth open, just like throw down my throat. <laughs> I work at a barbecue place, and you're not, you are not far off the mark. <laughs> you guys have hoops for dads. There are people. With the <laughs> there are some big dads that come in to eat at our restaurant. There's some. They're just some big people that come to eat and, and are there's some people who I mean people can yeah. I mean we've buried one person. We've 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 catered his funeral as per his request. <laughs> you made it sound like you guys killed him. Yeah, we he buried. died of a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, he came in and we buried him. So like we're partially responsible. I'm sure wait, we weren't the, wait, the wait, only restaurant. Wait, wait, restaurant in the restaurant? No, no. Okay, I was about no, to say now that would be a story, but you see, as a as a as a barbecue place, uh, we would survive that. That would not be a restaurant killer. As a matter of fact, it might work in our advantage, you know, because people are like, "Yeah, he was weak," you know. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that like, you know, I like I I eat meat and I like meat, but people who are like avowed just like i like meat like we had the one guy who would just like our blt sandwich had something like eight slices of bacon on it and he would get a double blt and then he would also have he would we would also just have a little tray of bacon waiting for him that he could eat while he was waiting for his order oh my God. the car on the way back 
Like bacon's my favorite food, but even I'm aware that I if I eat that much bacon, I'll die before 40. He was just eating bacon like crazy. Like my favorite food, but I know I have to eat in moderation because I good. want to live. It's good food, but if you eat it all the time, you're not going to like it after a while, you know? Yeah, right? right. So. I was just thinking the other day that, like, a food that I do enjoy, but it's the most unhealthiest thing in the world. I haven't had it in, like, at least 15 years. And I was thinking about it. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, because there was Now, all of a sudden, I'm intrigued because I hear it's one of the most unhealthy things in the world. I'm like, what is that? That yeah, delicious. I don't even I know if it's sweet or savory. It's, it's it's salty savory. But like there was only one restaurant in town that served it. And that restaurant closed a good while ago. And even then, like you had to go like first thing in the morning because they had a limited supply of it. And so like because I was like in school and stuff like that, I never got it. But it was a food called Fatback. Oh, OK. Do you know what Fatback is? No, I've heard of fatback before, but I I thought I always thought it was a basically a cut of beef or a cut yeah a cut of um you know like bacon or something. It is deep fried salt pork. Oh, okay. And it is so salty, but like because it's like salt pork, the meat part is just fat. It's deep fried fat in yeah. salt, and it's so good. But it's one of those things like they'd only give you about like three inches of it, like two to three inches of it. And that's enough for 15 years. Yeah, you'd probably want to drink a gallon of water after that just to rehydrate. And, and it had like a rind and you could like chew on the, like, so like yeah. the actual like meat part, like the, the deep fried fat, like it would just like melt in your mouth like butter. And then you yeah. just chew on the rind. It was so good. See, I haven't I had that salted before, but I've, I've, I've had, I've done that with, I mean, it's basically sort of the same thing as like pork rinds or whatever, except, you know, we would be trimming a piece of pork for this one sauce and we would have these big, thick pieces of pork. And uh, some of it we had to like render down for the recipe, but the rest was just like waste. But the boss would just throw them in the deep fryer and they were, yeah, they were like, but they, they, you had to like sprinkle some salt on them to give them any flavor. They they had a, a vague flavor to them, but they still they just melted in your mouth. But uh, especially oh, I, right out of the fryer, you know. Oh, I'm googling fat back now, and I'm just like, oh man, I it haven't. Had if you have a fryer, it shouldn't be that hard for you to make. If you, you can just, I but I would have to probably buy like a chunk of like meat and i i just want like one because like really like two inches of one is enough to last you for like half a lifetime or else you'll die like buy buy enough for for your whole buy enough for the whole family Mm. Mm. it was so good though i haven't had it in so long and i've yet to find another restaurant that has it and i'm just like oh so good anyway you know what's also so good this episode I wasn't as it was funny because I remember you were just sort of like, nah, I don't know what I'm going to think about this episode the second time around. And I and I was like, I don't know. I like that episode just fine. And I still like it just fine. But I, I wasn't that I, I, I wasn't super thrilled about it. I my feelings on it, because like, OK, so everybody knows, like my big criticism of the Bad Batch, which is is like, um how they kind of get derailed and like they can't carry their own show and stuff like that. I 
but this episode kind of fixed a lot of that because I forgot how much crosshair was in this episode. Like, yeah, it's still, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still a Bad Batch episode. And so, like, I completely forgotten about that. And I just thought, I didn't think of it as, I always thought of it as the Harris and Dula, like, Rebels prequel episode. Uh-huh. But I forgot, like, how much crosshair is in, in this episode, which justifies it being a Bad Batch episode. And I will go ahead and say one of my notes, I'm going to be a fucking hypocrite, you guys. Like, such a hypocrite. Because something I've been complaining about all season is, like, my favorite part of the episode. And maybe it's just because, like, there's a lot of, like, my favorites. Like, I love Twi'leks. They're my favorite species in Star Wars. Them and Gazos. I love them both. I love being on Ryloth. Well, I you have all characters. the different kinds of Twi'leks, too, in this, too. They're all you the believe like, one body of my... types and weird kinds of Twi'leks. And, you know. None of them are weird. You better believe that one of my notes is, I love all the Twi'leks. They're so gorgeous. And I have another note that says, Shams and Dula is daddy. <laughs> like, we're here. It's that episode. Like, I'm just like, mm. And all the ladies look good, and all the men look good. I just want to fuck all of them. I love Twilight. <laughs> Orn Frita is still more the kind of the weird. Doesn't he have like I, weird pointy tight teeth and everything? He has four leku and only four fingers because he's a big slimy asshole. And I'm so glad his ass gets shot because I have issues with him, and not issues like writing issues because I love to hate Orn Frita, and that's the thing. I love to hate Orn Frita because I want to throw him off a bus, but luckily he gets shot. So it's great. No, but I, I actually like this. This episode for me, like, is a lot stronger than I remember it. Like, Rampart is really strong in this episode, which is like the first time he's been strong all season. Like, so like this episode actually played a lot better on the rewatch for me. I actually really enjoyed it. So let's get into it. You ready? All righty. I'm ready. Devil's Deal is the 11th episode of The Bad Batch. It aired on July 9th, 2021. It was written by Tamara Betch Wilkinson and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. Vanessa Marshall and Robin Atkins Downs reprised their roles from Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars as Hera and Shams and Dula. Dave Filoni is back, voicing Chopper, as well as Corey Burton as Gobi Glee and Phil Lamar as Orin Frita. Alina's, uh, Alini Sindula is voiced by, oh, I didn't practice your name, Farrelith Young. Her other works include Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Love is Dead, and Fallout 76. Link and Serin, two of the Twilight Fighters, are voiced by Shelby Young and Bye Bye Wynn. The conflict of this episode, oh, I scrolled down too far. I lost my spot. There we go. The conflict of this episode comes as a direct result of the Ryloth arc from Season 1 of Clone Wars, where we see that Sham Sindula and his Twi'lek resistance teaming up, where we see... Oh, sorry, I'm going I'm to do this entire one again. The conflict of this episode come at, comes as a direct result of the Ryloth arc in Season 1 of Clone Wars, where we see Sham Sindula and his Twi'lek resistance teaming up with clones to stop the Separatist invasion. Sham and Ornfri Tal were political enemies during that time, as many Twi'lek saw Sham as the planet's real leader as he was fighting on the ground while Ornfri Tal was safe on Coruscant in the Senate. While she was mentioned and seen in photos in Star Wars Rebels, this is the first appearance of Hera's mother, Alini. An interesting note, as Hera hasn't been off-planet, she still has her Twi'lek accent. And finally, this is just a hope note because, of course, I have to mention my blue husbando when he's even somewhat relevant. Admiral Rampart is mining for Dunium on Ryloth, 
That sounds familiar. I've mentioned it before when I've discussed the Thrawn novel. Dunium is one of the strongest materials in the galaxy, and it is the main metal used in building the Death Star. In the Thrawn novel, Governor Price's family had a Dunium mine on Lothal, and it was one of the many resources they stripped from the planet. Which, the only reason I brought that up now is there are a lot of Rebels ties in this episode, because, I mean, of course, the very obvious one is Hera and Chopper. But, like, there's a lot of, like, little Rebels ties that I found interesting, and it has a lot of, like, nice Rebels synergy. Kind of like nods and like when I when I saw the Dunium mine, I was like, ah, it's right there mm. with the Thrawn novel. You know who else is a little rebel? Hi, Yoda. Uh, yes, the little rebel is Yoda. How are you? Rebellious. <laughs> yeah, fight the man. Fight the power. Yes, the power fight. The si- fight. fight the Sidious. Take down okay. the Empire. <laughs> okay. D- down with the Empire, yes. I mean, you've already have fought Sidious. We just don't talk about that time. Talk about what? When you fought Sidious. What? And it kicked your ass. Something's in Yoda's ear. And you had to go into hiding? It's me pulling it out of my ear. Oh. Because he beat you so bad? And then you lived oh. on Dagobah? Dagobah, yes. Yoda's home. Yes, because... Okay. Well, Yoda, I got a special treat for you. A treat for Yoda, yes! Yeah, and it's a treat for the audience. So, we got, we being my family, uh, I got takeout over the weekend, which means that we got some fortune cookies. So I want to do a throwback to our bit that we used to do in our Clone Wars day, where, because remember, well, in case you're new listeners, and you didn't listen to any of our Clone Wars episodes before we had our lovely Sleazy Yoda here, what we would do is, you know those like little fortune cookies phrases at the beginning of uh, Clone Wars episodes? Yoda would read those and add in bed at the end of them in his wonderful, lovely Yoda voice. And so that's what we did. So I is a trained voice actor. Yes, you are. Trained voice actor Yoda is professional. Oh, let let Yoda put his reading glasses on. One moment. Mm. So what mm. I did is I wrote down the three um, fortune cookies we got, and they are lovely. And I immediately messaged Chris over one. So here is some wonderful Yoda wisdom for all of our lovely listeners of Jagas and Jedi. We love you. Enjoy our little throwback of Yoda. <clears throat> Your financial life will be secure and beneficial. In bed. Ah! <laughs> You'll accomplish more later if you have a little fun this weekend. In bed. Ah! <clears throat> you can prosper in the field of entertainment. In bed. Yes, you can. <laughs> Maybe Yoda has. Oh, how's your OnlyFans doing? Uh, People don't like your feet. Yoda has three or four fans. Yoda's not 100% happy with who his fans, but. You only have three or four fans because they're your OnlyFans? 
You gotta get those feet pictures, Yoda. Feet pictures yeah. are where it's at. Oh, attracts weird people. You're the weird people. I'm pretty sure you still, like, you have snooked underwear on this show before. Yoda's very, Yoda is a very normal square in, on Yoda's plant home planet. Okay, okay. On Yoda's home planet of Dagobah, Alright, well, I actually really enjoyed this, Yoda, because, like, when I, the moment I saw these fortunes, they made me think of you, and I was like, these are perfect for Yoda, especially the last two. Need them on TV shows, they do. Hire mm-hmm. Yoda to read them, they should. I actually, I would love if Star Wars went back to doing platitudes at the beginning of the episodes, because I miss it, and I miss hearing you read about things in bed. Alright, Yoda, we gotta talk about this episode, though, so get out of here. Yoda's going to go read about things in bed. (laughs) (laughs) That was a very weak, like, meh. No, but really, like, when I saw these fortunes, I was looking at them, and I was like, these are perfect. I, I just, I started laughing, and I, I even messaged, like, Chris over the weekend. I was like, I'm so tempted to have these on the show. <laughs> I've got a coffee cup full of them that I, whenever I get Chinese food, I just toss them in the coffee cup. I started a little mason jar, and they're the first three entries of them. So. <laughs> well, ah, you're ready to start this lovely, hot, sexy, moist Twilight adventure. Uh, okay, I see where this is going. Okay, uh-huh. I'm, I'm starting to see the where Hope's score is going. And, no, yeah. but the thing is, it's like, like the animation's uh-huh. so good now. Like, Sham went, like, Sham went from being like, yeah, he's fine. And now, like, Sham's like walking out of the darkness, like he fucking owns the place. And I'm just like, oh, Sham, your animation walk cycle is so much better now. <laughs> walk cycle me, baby. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, Hope has a walk cycle fetish. Uh, uh, uh. Somebody's going to try and date Hope, and she's just like, I don't know, let's check out your walk cycle here. (laughs) Kali's like, what's a walk cycle? Is that like a slow bicycle or something? What are you talking about? If you don't know what a walk cycle is, we can't be together. (laughs) What the fuck? What the fuck? And then Alini is so pretty. Like, oh my god. Like, ugh, they have the best sex life of it. Anyway, act one. Act one. I wasn't expecting to be so thirsty in this episode, but I was watching it. I'm like, it's hot in here. <laughs> Maybe it's the gas leak. So last, I uh, I, yeah, the last thing I was, the, yeah, the last thing I was expecting. So <laughs> that's just I, funny. I, like, it could have been the gas leak. I'm like, maybe that's why I was so maybe dizzy. Was. But I was like, ooh, it was. episode. Ugh, give me a good toilet. Blame it anyway. on the gas. Ugh. Just blame it on the gas. Maybe my brain's just there because, like, I have to blame Loading Great Storm. My baby boy, Loden. Anyway, act one! Act one. We open on Ryloth. The best planet after Coruscant. Coruscant is still the best planet in all Star Wars. Fight me. (laughs) You can fight me, but you're you're wrong. Um, And we open with Crosshair. And Crosshair is like, Hi guys, I'm still evil, and I'm on duty. And the reason he's on duty is because... (laughs) I said I'm four years old, it's fine. Um, it's because there's a, a gathering of beautiful, beautiful Twi'leks. And they're all there because the war's over and the Empire's here. And they're all gathering to hear a speech. But 
but Crosshair is looking for one particular Twilight in particular. He's looking for Gobi Glee. And for a fresh reminder for anybody who doesn't remember, Gobi Glee is Shams and Dula's right-hand man from both Clone Wars and Rebels. He's been around for a while. So, yeah. And Crosshair is like, oh my god, they're here. They're from that other show, but they're here. This is fun. They're in my show. Hi, I'm Crosshair. I'm in this episode. And we go up into the office part. I don't know where they are, but they're getting ready to do a speech. Because Admiral Boardpart is there. And he's talking to Sham, Alini, and Orm Frita about how Ryloth is, like, great and all. He's like, oh, guys, Ryloth is great. And they're like, thanks. He's like, yeah, but you're not falling in line. And they're like, well, we can't help you there. And he's like, no, really, like, why isn't Ryloth getting their shit together? And Sham is like, no, bro, it's cool, it's cool. Like, no problems here. Love the Empire. It's it's great. Everything's great here. We're all happy that you're here, Empire, says says Sham, a little passive-aggressively. <laughs> and Alini is just in the background, just like, mm-hmm, tell him, honey, tell him. <laughs> and also in there is hashtag hothouser. Let me tell you something. When this episode dropped and when next week's episode drops, internet lost their fucking mind because this clone is sexy. Not like normal sexy. Not like Captain Rex sexy. Not even like like old man kind of like Gregor sexy. Not like Wolf, who's always been a little gruff. Not like our beautiful Bad Batch, like my geeky little tech or like my little Rambo Hunter. Hauser is like... 10 for 10 would recommend he has a good walk cycle. Hauser is beautiful and the internet, not just hope, the entire internet, gay, straight, and everybody in between lost their fucking minds for Hauser. And he is there. Did they go, did they say Yowser for Hauser? I'm sure someone did. But like, yeah. Just, ugh, ugh. Everyone loves Hauser, especially me. And Hot Hauser comes in. He's like, hey, Sham, are you okay? And Sham's like, yeah, I got everything I ever wanted, so why does it feel so weird? And Hauser's like, don't feel weird because I'm beautiful. I mean that change is scary. Change is scary, and it's fine. And, and Sham's like, you're right, bro. So Orn Frita gets out there, and everybody fucking hates him. Because he's all just like, blah, 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 I'm great. I was here all the time. But when I mean, like, here fighting the Clone Wars, I was fighting for your freedoms. On Coruscant, in my penthouse apartment, well away from the trenches. Why does no one love me? I'm Orn Frita. I'm a rich motherfucker. Don't you guys love my gold embellishments while you guys were dying in here on Ryloth? It was great. So it's not going very well, and Tal just kind of like looks over at Sham very angrily because <laughs> it's actually kind of funny if you watch Tal in the background. He's like stroking his lekus, like he's trying to soothe himself, and I'm just like, here, I hate you. It's fine. You get shot. It's fine. And then Daddy Sham gets up there, and he's like, my friends, and I'm like, yeah, we are. <laughs> Daddy Sham's just like, hey guys, look, I know this is weird, but we've been fighting for a while. We're tired as fuck. Let's just give this peace thing a try, and because like the war's over, and we gotta trust our clones. And he like pulls up Hauser, and he's like, "Look how fucking hot this clone is! Can't you trust this hot face?" And all the people in the crowd are just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we can trust him. He's hot." And Hauser just kind of gives a thumbs up, and, like a smiley face, just like, "Yeah," and it works. Everything is smooth over, and it's great, except for Gobi was not too happy with all this 
So he gets his people and they leave. And Crosshair is just like, mm-hmm. They're on the go. Look at them go. I'm Crosshair. Ooh, ooh, ooh. My mouse is about to disconnect our call. There we go. Um, and so like Crosshair watches Gobi and his group leave. And then that creeper ass Admiral Board part goes over to Alini. And Admiral Rampart is just like, hey, where's your underage daughter? And Alina is like, what the fuck? <laughs> get, your ass, get your ass away from me. Hera's off being a kid. Get the fuck over it, dude. Stop talking to me. And Admiral Borpart is like, what the fuck? And then we jumped to very familiar, adorable faces. You know them. You love them. It is Hera. Well, she's not Space Mom yet, but will one day be Space Mom, Sindula, and Chopper the Murder Bot. Pew, 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 pew. Add in some sound effects, just like pew, 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 pew. Or just, you know, you can just use my sound effects. I'm yelling pews, it's fine, that works too. Hera and Chopper, our lovely, lovely main characters, or two of them, are watching a mining facility. And Hera's like, all right, we're here. We're gonna be spies, it's gonna be great. We're gonna be fighting, and my Uncle Gobi wants me to find stuff. It's gonna be great! And then she watches for a while, and she's like, Why is nothing happening? And Chopper's like, Well, maybe there's not fucking anything happening. And she's like, Of course there's something happening. There's always something happening. But, there was nothing happening. Our dear young girl, precious as she is, lays back, and she looks up the sky, and it's wonderful because her theme music plays, and she makes a little hand wavy thing like she's flying the B Wing. Because remember, our space mom Harrison Dula is the first person ever in the galaxy to fly a fucking B Wing! Because she's amazing! And she dreams of flying. But uh oh. She's also found by some clones. Bum ba bum. So then we head back all to the parents, and Gobi is like, Alini. Your husband. She's like, well, what about my husband? He's hot. And he's like, well, yeah. But what the hell is Sham doing? Like, we we can defend Ryloth. We don't need these clones here. We don't need these Imperials here. Like, we're turning over our weapons. We're becoming defenseless. And Eleni's like, I hear you. But we're trying something new. And Sham's down, like, watching people, like, turn in their guns and stuff. And then he's like, oh. I feel a hotness wave coming. And he looks over and it's Hauser with Heron Chopper. And she's in big trouble. And Hauser's like cool about it. He's just like, look, Sham. I know she's a kid. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. My hands are a little tied. So I'm not going to report her this time. Just keep an eye on her. And Sham's like, yeah, we should. And we should also. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Whoa, boy. <laughs> no, okay, here's the thing. I was about to joke, someone should draw fan of us, fan art of us making out. And then I remembered, there's already fan art of them making out. <laughs> and I remembered it, and I got really happy. <laughs> oh, anyway, where was I? Uh, Hera's in trouble. So, uh, Gobi and Alini join Hera and Jam. And Alini leads Hera away, because she's like, come on, daughter, the boys are about to yell at each other. By the way, why were you at the refinery? And Hera's like, I did not even mention being at the refinery, mom. 
how do you know that? And Lainey just kind of gives like a cute little smile, like, I know things. And like takes her daughter's way. But Sham is pissed because Gobi was the one that told his daughter to go there. And Gobi's pissed because he's just like, what the fuck, Sham? Like, we, like, why the clones were supposed to leave? Why are they still here? And Sham's like, dude, we've been fighting for a while. Like, let's at least take a nap for four hours before we start fighting again. And they go back and forth and stuff like that. And Gobi walks off. But oh no, trouble is brewing. Cause that salty, jealous ass, piece of shit, little flaky bitch, on free tall with his four gross lucky, looking like a weird, like little weird person, and I don't like him, is plotting against Daddy Sham, y'all. And he's like, Did you see how all those people loved Sham? Why don't they love me and my my emperor's new clothes mentality. I don't understand. And Crosshair's like, first of all, nobody wants to see a naked. It's fine. And Tala's like, we have to throw Sham under the bus. He is a threat. And Crosshair and Rampart are like, cool. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. Sham needs to be dealt with. And they're like, yeah, we're gonna sleaze our way out of this. Bye, Tala. I promise we'll take care of it. And board part and Rampart board part. Crosshair and Rampart leave, and Tala's just a sleazy bitch, but like plots are brewing. End of act one. Bum, bum, bum. Did you say boy part? <laughs> I think I was trying to say Rampart and board part at the same time because I've been calling him, because he's boring. He's a boring character, so I've been calling him Admiral Board Part because he's the boring part. Yes, he is. Except for in this episode. I actually really like Rampart in this episode for once. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, I do really like him in this episode. Um, uh, I like how was? we get a little different version of the of the crowd scene from was it last episode? That that oh, for the yeah. Empire. That I actually have a big old note about that. Should I go ahead and do it? Oh sure. So, I, our lovely Charles too was talking about this last week too. Between last week and this week, we actually get, like, two really interesting things. Because last week, to refresh your memory, we were on Raxus, the capital of the Separatists. And they are the losers of the Clone Wars. And the Empire coming to their planet is much different. They were put under martial law. They were put with a curfew. They had tanks. The Empire handled the speech. And Senator Singh was a puppet. And, like, it was, like, terror invading the losers. And here we have Ryloth, who was part of the Republic, and they are a winning planet of the Clone Wars. And here we see that Orn Frital and Sham are able to are, are allowed to address their people. They're the one that gets to lead the conversation. The Empire very politely asks the people to stop fighting. And like, sure, like Crosshair and his men are there, but so are a bunch of other clones. So like Crosshair doesn't like seem threatening to the Twi'leks. They're not like trying to arrest people. They're not enforcing curfews. They're just kind of like generally suggesting things for Sham and, and Orn Frita. So it's really interesting from last week seeing the a separatist planet come under Imperial rule versus this week with a Republic planet coming under Imperial rule. And it's really I love seeing that contrast between the two. Yep. Yeah, it, I, I thought it was a nice choice to start out that way. And I like how Cham uses the uh, the clones to for goodwill, you know. But, but because why wouldn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, like, they've been their friends for three years. They, like, saved their planet. Like, we Numa. Numa from season one with Waxer and Boyle. Like, we have whole things of the clones being buds. And, and I guess that I, oh, I have a note about that. I'll come back to it later. My only other note is really about Hauser. And, uh, um, we've How got... How beautiful he yeah, is. And we've got yet yeah, another, uh, like another example of just another variation of a clone where he's more like, you know, Rex or the Bad Batch, but he's still in there, but he's still got that decent, you know, decency vibe about him. And and you start wondering what's up with his chip and stuff. So it's just a neat, you know, there's so many clones that you have different, you know, they're not, they're never just a, a you know, you know, you can't just count on them to be completely in line. And uh, I also think Hauser sort of, you do have crosshairs in there, but Hauser's also a clone character that, that's likable, and he's sort of a little bit of a stand-in for the rest of the Bad Batch. Because yeah, you've got, I actually you've got to like, okay, somewhere. what's up with this character? Maybe this character will end up in the Bad Batch or something. You know, he's definitely different than the other clones, and he seems like a good guy. Or maybe we'll find out that he is a good guy, but if he tries to go against his chip or anything, he's interesting. So it sort of keeps it in in sort of Bad Batchiness. And, uh, You're very and much we'll notice he's like- not... When the bad batch is there, he's not in that act, you know. So you're you're very much hitting on like one of my notes in Act Three. Um, I might as, it's not anything specific, so I might as well go ahead and do it now. Um, I wish I could remember who wrote it because somebody wrote a very where is ours? Oh, here it is. Um, is that it? Hold on, hopes being dumb. Hold on. <laughs> Um, I, I, I wish I could remember who wrote it, but somebody like wrote a really interesting theory that the title Bad Batch doesn't just represent Clone Force 99. It represents every clone who goes against the Empire. So in a way, they're all Bad Batches because there is a small number of clones that we know from supporting materials whose chips did not go off. And we also know there's a small number of clones who fought the programming and came out of it. And so, in turn, they're not perfect clones like the rest of them. So, therefore, they too are bad batches. Yeah. And I was just like, mind blown. I was like, yeah, but like, very much like Hauser is filling in that role. And in a way, especially like when we get into next week, because we, you know, spoiler, we've seen the rest of the show. Um, we know next week, like, he goes against the Empire, so he very much become he defects, and he very much does become a Bad Batch member, and, and like, uh, at least symbolically, so. Right. Especially under that criteria. But that's all I had for, for part one. Yeah, I, I will. a couple notes, so. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> I have a lot of notes. Um, because again, like this episode kind of took me by surprise, and I was just like, "Wow, I forgot like how much I love this episode." Um, I do like the cool design choice with Hauser is that he kept his unique armor. He hasn't gone for that standard issue white yet, and it shows that he is still in command of his own mind, and he still has a really good relationship with Shan. And it makes me wonder, like, 
maybe what happened was there was no Jedi at the time, so he just didn't go through Order 66. If there's no Jedi around him, there's no reason to, you know? We we actually don't know, or, or maybe his chip didn't go off, or maybe he fought it, or we, we yeah. just don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Um, I love Alini. <laughs> I'm so glad we finally have Hera's mom, because that was just something I bitched about for a long time when we were going through Rebels, was about Hera's mom and how she didn't have a name. And then, like, everybody was scared when they saw Alini, because they're like, she's gonna die in these two episodes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so glad that they didn't go that route. Where they're just like, here's Alini, we're gonna kill her next week. Like, I'm so glad they didn't go that route with her. Watch her die in season two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, there's still time, Hope. Don't worry. Oh, I, I actually really hope we, like, never see her die. Like, the, just knowing that she dies at some point is, I hope is she enough. she lives forever. Well, like, like, that is enough for me to know that she never... I, I never ha- I never need to see her die. I it's just enough to know that she did. So, um, I love the politics of the Twi'leks, especially like what's being pulled over from Clone Wars, because like if I remember correctly, because this was like what like seven years ago, I think the Ryloth episodes were my favorite of season one, um, especially the Numa episode with Waxer and Boyle. I think that was my ten for ten. That I would, season. I would totally uh, bet on that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that. But that was like seven years ago. I don't know. I don't remember what I did yesterday. Um, but I love this kind of back and forth kind of playing chess with each other with Sham and Ornfrita. Because those two do not like each other. We know this from Clone Wars. They do not like each other at all. But they're both very aware of the power of the Empire. They are both very aware that their power is... I, I think Sham is more aware of his power being taken away from him because Orn Frita is kind of an idiot. And I and he's just kind of like... he He's just assuming that Rampart will keep his word. And Orn Frita, of course, gets his ass shot because Rampart doesn't. Um, but they're very aware that the Empire is different from the Republic and it's a different threat. I think... And, and, but they're also still, like, playing each other. Like, I think Sham is actually like, you know what, Ta, it's fine. Look, buy guns, we got peace, it's fine. And Orphan Ta's like, I want to fucking destroy you. <laughs> so it's, I really enjoy watching the politics of the, the Twi'leks. Because, especially with Sham and Orphan Ta, I think they're both really interesting. Because Sham's actually pretty nice to Orphan Ta all episode until Ta accuses Hera of treason. And then that's where Sham's just like, nope, time to die. <laughs> and so he, like his dad mode, his, his dad and his daddy mode kicks in. And he's just like, you're going to die now, bitch. So I just, I really enjoy that. Yeah, I, I, I think he just doesn't think, he just thinks if they try to like fight at that point, they're just going to get crushed, you know? So he's... He's just more cautious. He's more I, of the uh, Mon Mothma. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't fully agree with that, but I'll come back to that in Act Two, yeah. because his conversation with Hera at the top of Act Two makes me, makes me s- somewhat agree with that, but somewhat disagree with that because, uh, to, to give you a preview, I think just Sham's tired of fighting, so, um. I do think it's telling 
during Toss speech, and of course we see it later in the act this happening, he mentions that the Twi'leks have to step down from their military posts. And those military po- to- posts, toasts, those military posts are going to be replaced. Military with- toast crunch? Yep. And those posts are going to be replaced with clone troopers. And you know what? That will be, give a few years, those clone troopers will become stormtroopers because that's how the Empire slowly invades. And, like, we even see the scene where, like, the Twi'leks are handing over their blasters. And it's such, it's, I just think the Empire is very, I don't want to say clever because they're evil, but, like, you know, this is what they're doing. Like, they have the trust of the leaders doing this thing that people are following and then like one and they have the trust of the clone troopers the twi'leks trust the clone troopers and so like give it a year and like slowly but surely fade out the clone troopers for stormtroopers and then you've successfully invaded ryloth and they also don't they don't know they're blissfully unaware of order 66 or anything to do with that you know really that's like jedi business sort of thing so like they're just like hey those clone troopers are pretty cool when we're fighting fighting beside them so you know hopefully they won't do anything against us you know um but yeah um i don't know i think it's there there the empire is pretty traditional fascism it's very much like uh what was happening in resistance with the first order that's a very good comparison actually yeah yeah where they were just like just hey we're here to just get portraying gas the creep yeah yeah because at first like because even tam was like they're allowed to get gas here at this gas station and like so at first the resistant the the first order was like hey we're here to get gas and now we're gonna eat food by the way this there's a lot of safety problems here why don't we keep some people around hey we're taking over your station why are all your aliens disappearing because we took them (laughs) so yeah very much so um i had something to say you were talking about jedi business though that is something i would like to know i feel like i I don't want to say it's a plot hole but i feel like it's the tiniest little pinprick of like this in the plot sham has fought with both mace windu and obi-wan he knows them. And so I feel, and like he actually formed a really good relationship with Mace Windu. It makes me wonder if Sham knows that Order 66 has happened. And if he does know, does he have doubts about all this? But it makes me think, this episode makes me think that he doesn't know. Oh, well, you don't, you don't have to know about Order 66 to know that there's some sort of falling out between the Jedi and and the government, you know? Yeah, but, like, Mace was a trusted ally, and I feel like somewhere along the lines he'd be asking questions because that's who Sham Syndulla is. But Ryloth is also, I think it's an Outer Rim planet, and so they might not even know yeah. well, that this he, is happening. Well, you know, he might want to find a Jedi and ask him rather than ask the Empire because he's going to get, a, <laughs> you know, he's going to draw attention to himself and get a biased story, so... But I think that's that's the interesting part. I think if if Sham got a bias story, it would make him question the bias story because he'd be like, "Well, that wasn't Mason Obi Wan," and and so like I think if he if Rampart was like, "Yeah, the Jedi were traitors," Sham would just nod and go, "Okay," and then like go behind closed doors and be like, "They weren't traitors. Something's wrong." <laughs> like, and so like that's that's something I would like to know if Sham knows the Jedi have fallen or not because I, I feel like that's an important piece in like mm-hmm. the story. 
Um, tiny little side note. Um, Hera says that the refinery is the first of many on Ryloth, which reminded me a lot of Star Wars Rebels and the book Lost Stars, because that's how the Empire starts. It's, as you said, it's the creep. They promise jobs for people. They're like, look at these jobs, look at these factories. You can go to work and it's great. And what ends up happening in both, as we see both in Star Wars Rebels and Lost Stars, is they end up polluting and wrecking the planet. Yeah, they just plunder. Yeah, so at first, like for the year or two, it's like, yeah, jobs, everyone's cool. And then you come back and everything's smoky and dirty and like they're tearing up the ground and there's nowhere to plant stuff. And then they fucking move on because that's what they do. That's how you get a Death Star. <laughs> that is how you get a Death Star. Gotta break a few planets if you wanna cook a Death Star. Um, it's just like a little thing, but I love hearing Hera's theme every time she looks up at the clouds. They just like find new ways to slip in Hera's theme, and it's always so wonderful to hear it. It makes me smile. Um <laughs> Um, and and kind of on that note, like, I know I made a lot of fun of Kanan in episode one because he's a 30-year-old white child, <laughs> and I made a lot of fun of Kanan. But I do kind of like seeing Kanan and Hera in Bad Batch and seeing did, that groundwork for Rebels. Did they pitch her voice a little bit? She might have pitched it herself. It, it, almost it, it, is, it is Vanessa Marshall. I know it's her. I know it's her, and you can totally hear it in, in the voice. But there's almost a part of it that seems just like pitched up a little bit. There were a couple parts where I was just like, well, maybe. Maybe after everybody made fun of Kanan, they went back and very quickly pitched it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They had about seven weeks to fix that. (laughs) So maybe. No, like nine weeks to fix that or something. Um, But I I do like seeing the groundwork for Rebels here. I think it's really cool to see like how Kanan and Hera became who they are. Because, like, Kanan, of course, like, went through this very traumatic experience. He went through Order 66. He watched his master die in front of him. And, like, we know how that affected him when he when it came to training Ezra. Kanan had cut himself off from the Force. He wasn't open to training Ezra because he was scared of losing Ezra. Like, just like he lost his master. Like, it was a whole thing. And then here with Hera, like... You see who her parents are, how they function, how her, like, just the little things, like her mom mentioning the refinery, and Hera's like, I never said anything about that, and Alini's like, I have my ways. Like, you can see, like, the groundwork of how Hera works, like, when she's talking with Fulcrum, and all that stuff, and, like, I love, but, like, right now, she's just a kid. She's just dreaming of one day successfully being the first person ever to fly a B-Wing. She just wants to get her driver's license. Yeah, and but I, I do like that about that. I like I like seeing these are cameos done right. Like I I have a lot of issues with cameos and shows. I will definitely get into that when we get to Mando season two. Yeah, but these are cameos done right. Uh, this isn't a cam the the bad batch of the cameo this show. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I am also talking kind of about Kanan. Kanan yeah, was this the is cameo. In, the, in the context of the show for sure. Yeah, and like. Hera, you're right, Hera's not the cameo of this week, but, like, she is, like, the guest star of the week, so. Um, and finally, Ornfrey Ta's a piece of shit. <laughs> That's my last note. He's a piece of shit, and I don't expect anything less from him either. He's a fucking coward, hiding on Coruscant, 
and he's not a fighter. He's a shady political asshole. So of course he's going the shady political route, trying to get under like, like trying to get into like board parts, like 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 board parts. He's trying to get into there and be like, and, like snuggle up to him. And Rampart's just like, uh, like I Ormfritas a piece of shit. Sitting on Coruscant, gorging himself on Rontos and. Yeah, yeah. While Daddy Sham was getting muddy in the trenches and getting his hands dirty and, like, fighting. And you can tell because he's a muscular god. Act two. Act two ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Don't get distracted, Hope. I was so distracted I didn't realize I muted myself. <laughs> Just mute I, yourself for act two. I did, I did. I was talking. Well, I was like, Chris can't hear me. Way, way too hot and bothered over this episode. I didn't even see it coming. Usually at like I oh my god, an Obi-Wan's coming up and that's gonna have oh jeez. Has Grande? Yeah. boyfriend. Well, yeah, it has your grande boyfriend, but it has other inquisitors too. So that's that's also it's got fresh meat for hope. So it could go crazy. Right. Uh, I I think her name her name's either like Rava or Rava. Uh, uh, the, the the new inquisitor. She's hot. She's great. But her name might be Mrs. Mullinex or <gasps> something like that. I don't know. I I don't know which one is her name, but the the Twilight lady that has, like, the Ahsoka color scheme, like, she's orange, but she has, like, the blue ribbons around, the blue and white ribbons around her leku, like, so she has, like, an Ahsoka color scheme. She's hot. I love her. I want her to be my girlfriend. She kicks so much ass in Act 3. She takes out the tank all by herself. I love her. (laughs) Anyway, we're not there yet. Act 2? Act (sighs) 2. Daddy Sham takes off his sexiness because he has to go talk to his underage daughter, and that's not weird. It is weird, but it's, yeah. Anyway, uh, Sham goes to talk to Hera, and he he's very honest. He's like, "Look, it's not cool that you got caught doing that." And she's like, "Yeah, but I want to fight. Like, Uncle Gobi thinks that something's wrong." And Sham's like, "Uncle Gobi's having trouble adjust to change." And you know what? I am too. We've been fighting like your entire life, Hera. I got peace. I want peace. I want to try this peace, you know? And Hera's like, yeah, but why? And Sham's like, because I don't want you to live my life, Hera. I've been literally fighting my entire life, and I don't want that for you. And Hera's like, hmm, that's interesting. I kind of have a premonition that I'm going to be the star of a four-season show, and you're going to show up in an episode and be like, Hera, you're fighting all wrong. Let me show you how to sabotage. And then I'm going to, like, gas all your friends and knock them out and try to steal your shit. And Sham's like, that was very specific of you. And she's like, yeah, Dad. Yeah. And Sham's like, I'm going to go now. (laughs) Because I have a place to be. Because at the refinery, the hottest couple on Ryloth, Sham and Alini, are touring the Dunia mine with Rampart. And Alina's looking around because, of course, she is because she's wonderful. And she's like, hey, Admiral Boardpart, what's with all the big guns? I thought the war was over. Why do we have big old guns around your around our Dunium mine? Not even yours. It's our Dunium mine, as in Ryloth's. And Rampart's like, ah, ha, 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 bullshit answer. 
because I, I don't actually remember his answer. Like, he gives it, like, the most non-answer that it literally didn't stick in my brain. And then he, like, walked away. And I was just like, I have no concept of this conversation. So, Sham just kind of, like, looks at his wife. And he's like, first of all, you're beautiful. And she's like, oh, thanks. And he's like, second of all, you sound like Gobi. What's going on? And Alenia's like, dude, like, of course I sound like Gobi. Like, I know you want the same thing as him, but, like, you want want it in different ways but look around you like this is not peace they got big fucking guns on the ridge husband yeah like and they took all of our weapons like why what are you not seeing here and she's like i'm tired of fighting i i just want like a nap and she's like all right have a nap and then we'll get back to fighting and he's like no that's not what i want and then they like make out it's great um <laughs> have the best times um <laughs> I just thought of the Hauser picture because it wasn't just Shaman Hauser. Pull your little fan out and just start fanning your face. Oh, now, Lord. Oh, oh, that was covered in dust. I just like threw a bunch of dust on my face. <laughs> um, no, no, like the the picture, like the the picture I was mentioning about like Hauser Sham making out. It was actually Alini Hauser and Sham, and it was great. A little nice little threesome, and a nice little Hauser sandwich, if you will. Anyway, where are we? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they were making out. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, during all this, Hera and Chopper go to meet up with Uncle Gobi, and he's just like, hey, kids, I'm cool Uncle Gobi, and they're like, hi, but we can't go with you on this, on this quote-unquote supply run. He's like, why not? It's a very normal quote-unquote supply run, wink, wink, wink. And I was even gonna let you fly, Hera. And Hera's like, peace out, Chopper! Cover for me! And Hera, like, sprints onto the ship, leaving Chopper behind, and Chopper's like, what the fuck? But, oh no. Crosshair is there. Because of course he is. And he tags Gobi's ship, and he rats out Hera for their big scheme. <laughs> and you know who's having the best time? Hera, because she's getting to fly the ship, and she's all like, yay, I'm flying! And Gobi's like, yeah, you are. Just just slow down, slow down. This is my ship, and you're most certainly not landing it. And Hera's all confused, because she's like, hey, what are you picking up? And he's like, weapons. She's like, those aren't supplies. He's like, yeah, they are. They land on what I think is the moon of Ryloth, and hey, look! The Bad Batch! They arrive! They're the people who are selling the weapons because Sid sent them. And so as they're doing a trade deal, and all like the Batch are talking with Gobi and his people, Hera sees Omega, and she goes over and she's like, hi! And Omega's like, hello! And then they're really cute, you guys! Hera and Omega hang out, and they're precious babies, and they're being kids, and they're exploring the ship, and then they talk about their hopes and dreams, and then Omega shows Hera her room, and Omega's like, this is the best place on the ship, and Hera's like, this is absolutely the best place on the ship, and Omega's like, next time you want to come over, do you want to have slumber party? She's like, yeah, let's do that, and Omega's like, cool, because I don't know what a slumber party is, but I want one, and they're just precious babies and Hera's like wait you get to live on the starship and Omega's like yeah I do I live here every day and Hera's like I have a sneaking suspicion that that will be my life for at least 
four seasons of television. I can't wait. That's my dream. But then, a curious moment happens, because Omega mentions that she thought that Hera was in trouble. And it makes Hera pause and goes, Wait a minute. Why would we be in trouble? But then, everybody else calls them, and, and Hera has to run back to Gobi, because the deal's done, and she says her goodbye to Omega, and Omega's like, I'll see you next week! And Hera goes, oh yeah, that's true! Bye-bye! And they all run off together, and then Hera and Gobi get on the ship, and they head back to the planet. What'd you think of Act 2? That was pretty good. It's, uh... The first time that we get like a really striking visual image with the, you know, besides all the stuff that's been getting hope all heated up mm. of uh, of the moon or the planet, whatever, in the background in the background or whatever. Yeah, I shared that image on our Twitter. It's a gorgeous shot. It's totally out of uh, like a just like a sci fi book cover or something like that. It's just beautiful. And uh you know, just sort of probably gravitationally impossible, but beautiful. It's but, Star uh, Wars. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's just a sci-fi standard, but, like, that was the first, like, really nice, uh, you know, just gorgeous vi- visual in this this episode. Uh, I liked Hera's, uh, you know, that she dreams of living on a spaceship because she shall get her dream. For four whole seasons, at least. At, and a novel. At least, yeah. And some comics. <laughs> and my other only other note is I love their ship. I love that sort of... It's sort of like... Uh, it's just a variation on Boba Fett's on the Slave One, you know? Oh, yeah, I, can't I can remember. see that. Oh, yeah, totally. It does the same sort of thing where it flies... Flies, like... It has that sort of sideways flight landing thing and oh, it's, right. it's like it's like the slave one with like just sort of a little deck underneath it or sort of wings <laughs> i thought you said dick <laughs> <laughs> with a dick it's under like a it with a swinging pair of balls <laughs> it has it has it has well it has spaceship balls on it i guess doesn't sound as good as truck nuts it has spaceship nuts on it but no it was a neat looking neat looking ship um that's that's all I really have for Act Two. It's just sort of like, it it is. This is sort of the cameo. This is sort of like, yeah, okay. We're we're making sure this is a bad batch episode. You know, we will we will have the bad batch in it. But you know, they just sort of do a little work a day thing. But it's nice. It 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 doesn't. It's not as as corny as it could be because the the scene with with uh, Hera and Omega is nice. And like we know in hindsight, like that's that's the setup for next week, because now that Hera's alone at the end of the episode, who does she call? Omega. So like right, it is right. the setup for next week. So because I did have that thought, I did have that thought of like, what if they just cut out the bad batch and like let Crosshair carry the episode? But then they ha- they they don't have an episode next week because that's how Hera gets out of this. So right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is still just sort of, but they're just sort of secondary to the plot. If they were more involved in the plot, they would have had them like swooping down to save them after Crosshairs, Crosshairs shot him down and or something like that. You know, the story would have gone a different way. That's all I really got for, for Act 2. Um, I did have, I almost wondered that as well until I realized it wasn't the plot. Because I was like, right. if Crosshair tagged their ship, why is he not, like, swooping down? But then I realized the plot is not to, like, catch, the, catch them the act. 
the plot is set up Sham to make it yeah. look like he's throwing Orn Frita on the bus. So yes. I, I did have a half a thought about that, but then it's not that's the why plot. Bo- that's why Napoleon board part was all down with surrendering. Yeah, yeah. I know that now. Uh, but I did have that thought before I watched Act 3, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the plot. I forgot. Um, to get my very, very, very short notes out of the way, I'm always excited when I hear Dunium Mines because they remind me of the Thrawn novel, and I love my Blue Husbando novel so much. Um, but I did, I did like that, too, because like while this has very obvious ties to Rebels, of course, with Hera and Chopper and all them, Right. I like the smaller tie-ins, like, because, like, you know, they didn't have to be Dunia Mines, but they are, which is a nice tie-in to Thrawn book, which is um, supporting material for Rebels. So, like, they kind of cover both, like, the big things in the little things, but I just like that. Uh, my note says, I love all Twi'leks. They're all so gorgeous. You know Sham and Alini has a great sex life. That's the note. It's perfect. 10 for 10. Recommend. <laughs> um, and my only other... <laughs> On the other end. <laughs> they have a great sex life with Hauser, it's fine. Um, I love Hera admiring the bad batch of ship. I actually really like this scene. It's it's a really fun scene. Because while we have seen Omega be a kid, it's kind of different. Like it also shows like Omega's growth. Because like when she's with um Jack and Sue, not Sue, I, I don't remember Cutler Crane's other uh Shaista, I think her name is. Um, when he when she's with Cutler Quain's kids, she's fresh off Camino. She has no idea how to function as a child. She doesn't even know what catches. She doesn't know how to play. But I like it here with Hera because it does show Omega's growth. She has a little bit more experience. She knows how to talk with someone her age now, and she understands that. And I and so I, I like it, it in, a, in a very subtle way, like watching Hera and Omega bond. They are showing also Omega's growth since episode two. Um, and then in all caps, I just love Omega and Hera being friends and being a cute, adorable bonding together. I love when Omega's like, this is the best place, and it's her bedroom, and Hera's just like, this is awesome. I love them. Okay. And we're, we're also seeing her confidence. She's just getting more and more confident. You know, she's... You yeah, know, that's true. Meeting meeting Cut Cutlequain's kids like prepared her for meeting another kid and she and this time she's just like, Hey kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. Like and we saw a little bit about that with um the Rancor episode because she thought the little girl was Moochie and she was like, Poor Moochie, we can't save Moochie and then I found out like the Rancor was Moochie. Uh, <laughs> uh so but yeah, that that's a very good point about her getting more confidence. You're right. Um now, for my big notes, which is only two of them, um, this is what I wanted to say about uh, Sham, because I, I wanted to put a pin to this, because I find Sham really interesting in this episode, because we've only ever seen him fighting prior to this. He's fighting the Clone Wars, he's fighting with, like, he, for first he's fighting kind of against Mace Windu, and he's fighting with Mace Windu, he's fighting with Obi-Wan, um, and then in Star Wars Rebels, he's gone more to the fanatic end. Like, he's not Saw Guerrera level of fanatic, but he's definitely, like, sabotaging his own daughter's shit to get his stuff done. And so, like, he's always, we've only always seen Shem fighting. 
which is why I really like this episode in particular, this chat that he's having with Hera. Because by the time we see Hera and Sham together in Rebels, their relationship has severed. But like here, they still have this really good relationship. So we're actually seeing him more as a very loving and caring father. And because we've always seen Sham fighting, we've never really seen him with downtime. We've never seen him just take a breather and like have like a couple days off and just be like with his wife and child. And I, I like this side of him because he even says, he flat out says, fighting takes its toll. And he's clearly worn out from this war, which is part of the reason why I think he wants to believe. He, I don't think he's 100% with this Empire thing, but I think he wants to believe in it because they were the Republic. They were his allies. The Republic became these Imperials, so shouldn't they also be nice and helpful and like do their thing? Because I think so much of Sham is he's been fighting his entire life and he's just tired. He wants a day of peace. And I think that's why he's sort of ignoring the warning signs until it's too late. Yeah. More PTSD. Yeah. Because, like, Sham got what he wanted. He wanted peace for Ryloth. He got what he wanted. So why should he question Sort of. Yeah, but he knows it's not real. And and I think that's that's the thing, because the question is, at what cost? He got peace for Ryloth. The Clone Wars are over. But what's the cost? The Empire. And so I, I think that's where his character conflict is. Is like, he got everything he asked for. But now what? And why isn't it everything he wanted? You know? And I, and I, and I, I think that's a really interesting crossroads for this character. Because we know where he goes in Rebels. We know the deep end he goes off of. Especially, I, I think there's also a change when the, when Alini dies. Because... We, we still don't know what happened to Alini, but it definitely affected Sham because he is much further towards fanatical and rebels, but he's not there here because he has Alini there as his emotional support. He has her to like to sound off on. He has her to like consult with. And that's his confidant. Um, and without her to kind of be this moral compass. He kind of he it pushes him off the deep end. So I just I just think Sham is really interesting in this episode because he's actually really really chill until his daughter gets thrown under the bus, and that's when Daddy comes out with a blaster and he's gonna fucking kill you. And especially like in that Act Three scene where he's ready to execute Ornfri Ta right there on the spot because he dared mess with Hera. And so like we're seeing those like little fanatical edges come up. So I just, he's just, there's so many layers to Sham in this episode, and I just think he's really interesting. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I nothing to add to that. Now for the other character analysis of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have a lot on Harold. Because it's just all groundwork for rebels. So Hope anything. Was reading notes there. She was just looking. Uh, she just her notes just folded out into a naked picture of Sham Sindula and. Uh, now she... I do have a half naked Twilight on my wall. <laughs> I have a I have a Star Wars. I have actually two Star Wars pinup calendars. One's a Star Wars pinup calendar of ladies, and one's a Star Wars pinup calendar of men. And the in April is a green Twilight, and he looks like Loden Greatstorm, and it shows his butt. And so, yes, he lives on my wall, and I like to pretend it's Loden <laughs> Greatstorm because Loden's Greatstorm is daddy. Anyway, 
Oh, he's both. Uh, where am I? Oh, so so the other character I wanted to talk about was Gopi, actually. Um, of all people. <laughs> but, like, I started thinking about it. This is the most we've ever had Gobi. Because, like, in both Clone Wars and Rebels, he's just kind of, like, the background guy who's Sham's right-hand man. He's just been, like, a guy that helps Sham. Like, he's never had a character. So I, I really like this episode because, like, we're actually getting his character. But he also still has those layers. Like, he's he's been a fighter this whole time. But he's also, like... While he's Sham's confidant, like, he's also, like, there, and he can, like, him and Sham can have a disagreement and, like, still trust and, like, be friends and love each other. Um, But I also like seeing him as an uncle to Hera because he doesn't bullshit Hera, and I like that about him. He's like, yeah, we're going for weapons. Like, he tells her the truth. Like, while everybody's kind of, like, step sidestepping around Hera, Gobi's like... Nah, if you want to be a rebel, we're going for fucking rep, uh, weapons. Let's go. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I didn't even make notes on this, but now, like, my my impression of him is, like, 180 degrees from that. Yeah, right? I think he's kind of a dick. He is a little bit of a dick, but, like, I, I think I, like, but Him being honest with Hera is sort of playing on her wanting to be, you know, she, she wants to fly a spaceship. He's treating her more like an adult than her parents in giving her a little more respect than her parents, which is very, which can very manipulate a teen and, you know, get her to go along with what you're doing. And at the same time, he's getting her involved to just sort of manipulate, to sort of not as much manipulate him, but force him into involvement against the empire. That's actually a really good point because he tells Hera it's a supply run when when they're on the ground, but only when they're on the way and almost there does he say it's weapons. That's a very valid point. Yeah, I mean, he's, I didn't he's think of it that way. Very mani- he might be right, he might be wrong about whether they should be doing what they're doing, although he's probably wrong because they sort of are already on to, you know, they're already on to it anyway. And, but like he's he's yeah he's just sort of used used Tara as a pawn to get her dad involved you know because once he you know and that's why he, when he go he goes into super daddy mode and and I'm sure that he knew that he would go into daddy mode if like all of a sudden the Imperials had were like yeah your daughter's a traitor and you know what we do with traitors chop chop so you know yeah. I, I do think there's probably. I don't a part... think he planned on getting caught, but. Yeah, because like... I think there's definitely a part of Gobi who they were just going to go get the weapons and come back just to kind of like give Hera a taste of the rebel life. And so I don't think at any point did Gobi think that they were going to get captured and then like put Hera in that danger. Because I think, no, it, I think some... if he knew, he would not have brought Hera. It was already, but like, well, I mean, it, he knew because it already happened with, with her in the factory, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he she already got involved, and then all of a sudden they're t- you know, and the only reason, the only reason that her dad probably didn't have to get involved there was because of uh, Dreamboat Hauser there <gasps> stepped in and was like, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything, but get you know, get your house in order or whatever, and so so like it didn't force Cham's hand at that point, but it was still that was it was that that was that was just insane luck you know that was just the luck of the draw with hauser so it makes me realize actually it makes me wonder if Gobi sent hera on purpose because she's a child because then hera could just be like oh we were just playing and we yeah. just happened to wander in there and like Gobi would like, but if Gobi can't use that excuse of just like i was playing in the field right and like hera right. can because she's a kid that's a very valid point 
Um, yeah, so he's he it actually kind of makes it a very interesting narrative foil to say Omega in tech. Because we talked about how tech is like the bad batch member that just treats Omega like an equal. Like everybody else kind of kid gloves her, like puts like the kid gloves on and like make sure she's safe. When tech's just like, nah, man, you're one of us here. Go fucking do your thing. Like, like we've talked about that. But it also feels like I don't think tech would do to Omega what Gobi no. did to Hera. No, no, it's pretty manipulative. It, and it's And it's like, you know. Yeah, no, uh, you know, and it was it's deci- it's deceptive towards his brother <laughs> and his brother's wife and you know their family and and uh, yeah, I mean the the it's the whole adult it's the whole involving a, a kid you know the the all the adults know all the nuance and and intrigue going on of and and repercussions potentially of going and getting weapons Hera Hera doesn't you know and even if he explained it to her she wouldn't truly understand you know no matter how smart when you're a teenager you don't understand a lot of stuff just because you haven't experienced it firsthand Mm -hmm. so they could tell her all that and she'd be like oh yeah well that's cool but it's not like we're going to get caught or anything like that or shot down or anything like that that's not going to happen because i'm a teenager and nothing like that ever happens ever Mm -hmm. ever ever not to me anyway so yeah so it's just yeah and it's and yeah and uh yeah i would be really pissed if i was chance (laughs) into yeah right (laughs) Um, but it does, it does make Gopio, like, for the first time ever in us covering, like, Clone Wars, Rebels, and now this, like, for the first time ever, like, Gopio's really interesting. Like, that, that's a really interesting side of him. Um, it also makes me, the fact that he told Hera the truth, because the whole time he could have just been like, yeah, it's a supply run, and then they get there with the Bad Batch, and he's like, he could have been like, Hera, go play with their kid. Like, and like Hera never see the blasters or the yep. thermal detonators and yep. just always think of supplies. But no, like he told her the truth. And I'm wondering if that's... Those are supplies, anyway, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do wonder if that is where Hera picked up her habit is in season one of Rebels, where she would keep intel from the ghost crew. Because we talked about that. Like, there were things that there's like, Kanan, Sabine, Zeb, and Ezra just did not know. She would yeah. not talk, like she would. She'd be the only one that talked to Fulcrum. Like she would keep that information from them. Yeah. No, because... she, well, she was following a probably also following a protocol of a spy protocol to to keep everybody out of danger and yeah, keep everything it, anything. If it keeps people, things, it's compartmentalization. Yes, yes, but I'm gonna finish my point. Um, but like, uh, she did it to protect them because if they got captured and they they couldn't tell the truth because you know they wouldn't know the truth. They didn't know anything. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, like Gobi could have did that to here, but it ended up, but he didn't, and because Hera knew the truth, she's now in trouble for it. So I do just wondering if that's like a little groundwork set up for season one of Rebels, because she, he did not protect her. <laughs> And she got got hurt from it. Anyway, that's all I have for Act 2. You want to wrap this hot Twilight up? <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I know. Like, wrap, this, wrap them Leku around me, Daddy. <laughs> Jesus. I'm actually in the oh, middle. Oh, Jesus. I'm in the middle of my fanfic 
writing a date scene. I just usually I just usually have warning that that it's gonna get hot <laughs> sweaty. That's true. You guys and Jedi, I had no idea this time. I thought we oh. were gonna have a different conversation altogether. I'm not upset. I like this conversation. I just uh, was. I usually like prepare more. <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i i forgot how hot this episode was in my defense like i actually want to go they're gonna have a whole you know wookie show starring mala and then you can listen to me all you know every episode i need to find that like that picture again of shim and and I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. I, I know the artist. I'm not going to say because it's their private account and I'm one of, I, I can get into it and I like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> I have permission, so I'm not going to say what artist, but they all I will say is they are a very popular artist that has done some official work for Star Wars. So that's all I will and say. Some unofficial that. work for Hope Mullinex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they have. Um, and that's super, all I will say. No, super unofficial work. That's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to go find it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Act Three. Act Three. Oh, actually, let me take a drink of my drink. Yeah, have, take a drink <sighs> of water. Pour half oh, yeah. of it over your head. Mm. <laughs> splash, splash some in your face. Mm, mm, mm. Act Three. So, Harry and Gobi and their people arrive back on Ryloth, and they're like, yay, we did it! But oh no! As soon as they get back there, an Imperial ship comes in, and they're like, fuck, lose it down there! And the down there is Crosshair, and Crosshair's like, surprise, bitch! And, like, shoots them out of the sky, because he can. And they crash, and Hera's panicking, like, what is happening? What do we do? Uncle Gobi, how do we get out of this? And he's just like, ah! just like, you're bad at planning! And the Imperials move in and capture our heroes. And then a tank shows up like they were expecting them. And it's Admiral Rampart and that snake ass flaky kind of a bitch, Ornfrita. And Ornfrita is just like, oh, Hera's here. There, that means it's confirmation that Shamson Dula's behind this because she's here. And Hera's like, shut your fucking face and don't you put my dad's word, ma- name in your mouth, you fucking asshole. And Ornfrita's like, oh, how dare you talk to me like that? We must murder them. And Hera's like, wait, what the fuck? Want <laughs> to get murder? I'm just a small child. What's happening? I'm very scared now. Uncle Gobi and Uncle Gobi's like, you just need to stop talking right now, honey. Just, it's okay, sweetie. And she's like, it's not okay, Uncle Gobi! <laughs> but thankfully, as they're all going back and forth and, like, Ta's trying to get Hera killed and, like, trying to get, like, Sham condemned and everything, the the lights come down and the, the, the sky opens up and there's sunlight at night and there is hashtag hot Hauser. and he steps in and he's just like it's okay everybody i'm here and he had his little hair swoosh i'm trying to swoosh my hair um and he's like guys it's okay hair is a child she's not supposed to be here why don't i take her with me but you know what admiral rampart is just like you might be pretty but i'm the one in charge sit down hauser 
they're all gonna be prisoner. And Hauser's like, what? What is happening? What? Why? Why are you not listening to me? I'm beautiful. And, and Rampart's like, yeah, you are. But I'm also in charge here. And everyone gets taken prisoner, and, Harris, and Hauser's just like, what? And as they're going away, Hauser watches them all get captured, and he realizes that Rampart and Crosshair are kind of being suspicious. And Hauser's like, huh, something is afoot. Meanwhile, Alini and Sham get a call from Gobi's people about Hera, and they're just like, what? What? What do you mean our daughter's been captured? And and the lady's like, yeah. And they're gonna accuse them of treason. And Alini's like, they're gonna accuse them of treason without trials? And Sham's like, well, that settles it. Fuck all this shit. Especially because Chopper runs in, and he's just like, Hera's gonna die! <laughs> and they're like, Chopper, let's go! And he's like, yeah! And Chopper takes out his blasters because it's time to murder a person. I just realized Chopper- I, I made that joke, but Chopper at no point has blasters in this episode, and it makes me sad. I miss that murder bot just mauling people down. There's a and lot of there's a lot of stunning in this episode, it, without even the actual bad batch there, like not wanting to kill people. There's a lot of stunning going along. A lot yeah. of not, a lot of lot of not killing for like the bad batch not shooting clones. But you then know? again, then again, Cham Sindula and those people are still we're still sort of in the same boat as the bad batch where they, you know, they don't want to shoot a clone. They, they yeah, they're still friends with the clone. Like like yeah. those are like Hauser's men and stuff. So. Uh, where am I? Uh, the parents are on the move because they're gonna go save their daughter, and the parents arrive and they leave Chopper with a speeder, and then there's an attack and they attack and it's all like pew 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 pew, and then like Sham gets on like one of the speeder bikes and he has a spear and he's just like knocking people off, like going around in circles and he like twirls it around, sticks it in the ground. It's great. I'm just like, oh, staff, oh, staff me, daddy. And then, yeah. Anyway, Ta's freaking out because he's like, the Sedulas are up to something. And the whole time, Hauser's like, everyone, let's calm down. We can talk about it. Everyone can look at my face. And Ta's like, no, fuck those guys. I'm the most prettiest one here. And everyone just kind of looks at Orin Free Ta and he's just like, I am, right? And they're all like, yeah, sure. So pretty, Orin Free Ta. You're. Gorgeous! And meanwhile, in all of this, Hauser just has regrets about life. It's fine, everybody. So, they trap the tank in, like, a dead-end area. And, like, some troopers get knocked off their bikes. And Sham walks out of the dark. And smoke. Like a goddamn badass. And my mouth got so watery just thinking about it. And the tank stops. Thanks to the one, the girl that has the Ahsoka Tano's color scheme. I really like her. She's my new girlfriend. But then, Rampart does something kind of suspicious, because he surrenders. And Ornfrey Ta's like, why are you surrendering? We still have, like, plenty of soldiers to fight a couple people. It's just like the, the, the Sindulas, why are we surrendering? And Rampart's like, I'm keeping us alive, Senator, it's fine. It's fine. So... They open the door. Well, I forgot where I was in the episode. They open the tank, and like, and Hera's like, My mom! My dad are here! Hooray! And Alini's like, You're in so much trouble, but I love you and I'm glad you're okay. And they put Hera in Chopper's speeder as Sham and Ta start hashing it out. And Sham is 
fucking pissed. He's like, I cannot believe you got my daughter and accused her of treason without a trial. What the fuck? You you can yell at me all you want, but you don't touch a hair on my hairy drop's head because she's my baby girl. I'm not. I'm just gonna fucking kill you now, you motherfucker. I've been wanting to do this for years. You fat fuck. You bland band you planet. I fought in the trenches. What the fuck? I'm the Hamilton. You're the Lafayette. Get the fuck out of here. Go back to space, France, because I'm just gonna kill your fucking ass now. I'm sham motherfucking daddy hotness and doula. And you're dead, bitch. <laughs> and Alina, Alina, like, runs in and she's like, hey, hey, honey, hey, honey, don't execute a man in front of our daughter. And Sham just kind of, like, slowly turns around and Harris just waving like, hi, daddy. And he's like, that's a good call. We will not execute a man in front of our daughter. And he slowly puts down the gun. But it's a trap! Fucking Rampart gives Crosshair, like, a little nod. And Crosshair, like, shoots, shoots Ornfrita in the head, but doesn't kill him, question mark, because of canon? It's questionable. And it's all done to frame Sham. And Alini and Sham are both standing there like, what the fuck just happened? And Hauser is like, what the fuck is happening? And Alini is like, Chopper, get our daughter out of here so she can save us next week. And Chopper's like, okay, you guys, see you next episode. And he takes hair and he gets the heck and heck out of there. And then Imperial reinforcements come down and the Sedulas take hands and they look at each other. And Alini's like, I love you. And Sham's like, I love you too, baby. It's gonna be okay. And she's like, yeah, because I need to make out with you later. And we'll make out with you too, Hauser. And Hauser's like, what is happening? <laughs> and then the Imperials come in. And, like, Sham gives Rampart this look. And it's a, oh, y'all done fucked up look. Because I'm gonna ram my boot up all of y'all asses. And not in a hope-like-it way. And, and the Rampart's like, ugh. And long story short, the Sindulas get arrested. Hera is sad because her parents are captured and she doesn't know what to do. And the whole time, Hauser has this look of just like, I have regrets. What is happening? <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My voice hurts. Well total Star Wars line with uh, she's an insurgent. Take them away. Delivered just like Darth Vader. In oh yeah, you're right, you're right. And, uh, and this is, I, I forgot all about this until this episode with Orn taking one to the head and being like, well, he dead. But he's not, which but caused he's not. Us all of Bulu and fandom. And something I never noticed in, in, I didn't notice the first time I watched it, is they said something about they they said something about the attempted assassination of Orn, blah blah blah. So they projected it that he wasn't dead, but you know. Showing a laser bolt hit someone in the head, and as they fall down, they've got a glowing little circle where I, the I laser hit and went into their brain is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's the thing, because I, I think they also bring it up, bring it up again next week. Bandon like, turn oh, this into the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I think they bring it up next week that like Ornfrita is like recovering or something like that. 
Um, don't they show him like getting carried off like on a medical stretcher? I think so. Yeah. Like, and he he's out. And so the reason this caused such a hullabaloo because that man should be dead. He should be dead. He got but, shot right in the temple. Right. Like he should be over dead. the eye. Yeah. And the reason I think that the reason that like they're so vague about it is that there's a book after this that that's set after this, and I I think it's Lords of the Sith if I'm remembering correctly. Um, it should be it should be all about his physical therapy, trying to like you know speak and <laughs> use his hands again and stuff like that. But like I think in this book, because if if it is Lords of the Sith, I think what it is is that like Sidious and Vader crash land on Ryloth, and they're just like fuck, and then like um, Sham and Gobi are like awesome, let's kill them. And the then, way you like, set just... it up, it totally sounds like a comedy movie with just like where they're but just there's... like no no no. There's I a... told you to put gas in the car. Well, there's apparently I haven't read the book, but I read the summary, and apparently sounds one of like the scenes trains, trains and automobiles. But, like, apparently, like, there's a scene, because, um, like I said, I haven't read the book, but I've read the summary, where, like, they find just, like, a random vi- village of Twi'leks, and the Twi'leks are like, are you guys okay? And Sidious is like, oh, me and my dear friend here, Crash, can we stay with you a couple days? I'm just a weak old man. And the Twi'leks are like, yeah, sure! <laughs> and, and, and the whole time Sidious is, like, eating, like, popcorn, like, yay! Um, but and They then don't know the that end, they have Space Hitler right there and they're... Right, right, the Right, and so like apparently, then like at the end, like when they're leaving the village, like um, they like the Twi'leks were so nice to them, and Sidious is just like kill them, Vader, and like Vader slaughters the village. Um, Jesus Christ! Right, right. But the the reason I'm bringing this up is Ta is still alive in that book, and it takes place after this episode. So like that's where the fandom hullabaloo yeah. is. But I'm also just like, it's a dramatic moment that really ups the stakes of this episode, and. Star Wars is a mythology. The canon's gonna change. It's okay. Yep. Now, like certain Relax. things, I, I do have, and we all have our personal pet peeves. I am like, I am the queen of that. Like, I have my own personal, like, my how Thrawn is not matching between books and TV really bothers me. Like, we all have our personal pet peeves, but it's always important to remember that Star Wars is a mythology. The canon is not facts, it's not science, it's not going to stay the same. So we have to be flexible. What's the rest of your notes? That's all my notes. Well, okay then. That's all I got. Uh, Then I will go through I have relatively light notes. I'll just go straight down. So originally going into this episode, I kind of mentioned this at the top, but I always thought, I was like, oh, this is a Bad Batch light episode, but I actually forgot how much Crosshair is in this episode. And he does a lot of shit in this episode. <laughs> He's in every act. He is driving He's the like narrative. He's like the linchpin of, of, of uh, most of the, uh, you know, actions that cause the plot to move in this. Yeah, and I think it's, especially with the season one finale and, and Crosshair has kind of this open ending, it is important to know that like the Bad Batch is not the four good guys. It's also Crosshair. He's also part of the show. He's also a Bad Batcher. And so, I yeah, and, I, and I, that definitely holds the episode together for me. Like, even though the other four guys are only in a scene and Omega's only in one scene, Crosshair is still here, carrying the entire thing. 
So I like that. I like that. I think it's it's not the Bad Batch light episode because Crosshair is here. I'm so glad that bitch got shot. <laughs> I hate him. I hate Orange Free. Yeah, Scott. even if it didn't kill him, it, it was still good to see him. So good. So good. And I love like the moment where Rampart kind of looks at him like, thanks for playing your part, Senator. And Orm Frita has this look of like, what? And then he gets shot. <laughs> I'm just like, yes. <laughs> but then like Sham definitely has a look on his face of just like, oh, fuck, we got set up. <laughs> fuck. Um, I will talk a lot more about Hauser next week because I, I'm jokes aside, like next week is his big week and his big episode where he is thematically fitting more in with like what it means to be a Bad Batch clone. Um, But I do want to mention that it's nice to see a regular clone, not a Bad Batcher, like not the like we have been genetically mutated and stuff like that. A regular run-of-the-mill clone breaking away and realizing the problems of the Empire and having his are we the baddies moment. Because he definitely has a moment where he's just like, are we the baddies? <laughs> and you see those doubts creeping in. And I like that. But I will definitely come back tomorrow for how. Well, you can it. see that there's other people around him going like, this guy seems to have, like, some of the, some of the other people are just, like, sort of thinking that he might be a softie, too. Mm-hmm. Rampart gives him some looks in this episode. I, yeah. I think Rampart's definitely picking up on that, yeah. too. Um, the wrong person to be thinking that. Yeah. Actually, I might as well do my Rampart note. I actually really like Rampart in this episode. Because, like, so far, like, he's been, like, the chain code, chain code guy. And he's been, like, Tarkin's little toady. And he's also been, like, just the guy on Camino. But he is... TLT. TLT? Tarkin's little toady. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Um... But he's actually an evil motherfucker in this episode. He is, like, playing that Arinda Price, Governor Price kind of evil, where he's just like, oh, Sham, we're here to help you, and I'm going to throw your daughter under the bus and then frame you for one assassination. Ah! Like, he is playing that part. And I like, I like seeing Rampart in a more active role like this because he has been so boring up to this point. So I think this is actually his strongest episode so far. I'd agree with that. Yeah. He's is he still the best Star Wars villain? No. No. <laughs> no. He is like I mean, saying it's his strongest appearance still isn't the like the, you know, that is still isn't saying an awful lot. Arenda Price murdered ten thousand people to cover her own ass. Rampart is trying. He gets a gold star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gold star. But yeah, like this. This is his best episode by far. And I, and I, I, I kind of because I, I remember so little of the back half of the season. Um, I hope Rampart has more of an active role like this in season two because I actually really like him here. Um, so that that's my only thing. I, I hope he gets more time like this. Um. I like seeing those civil liberties break down because Alini has that line of like, wait, accused of treason? They didn't even have a trial. <laughs> they just arrested him. <laughs> and it's just like, you're not in the Republic anymore, sweetheart. You don't get a trial. <laughs> and, but like, that is a, it's a throwaway line, but it's a nice world building line. 
because these people, you know, like Sham and Alini and all the Twi'leks, they're used to the laws of the Republic. And so, like, in three months ago, or how, like, you know, three to six months ago, they would be getting a trial. But it's it's that world building that shows the galaxy changing in just a little throwaway line, but it tells so much about the galaxy that, and how it's changing. I just wrote in big letters, Blurgs! <laughs> Blurgs! I, I always love, love to see him. I love Blurgs! Oh, Khalil would be so proud. He'd just be like, look at my Blurgs. This is the way. Not, they're not this is the way. I have spoken. Blurgs. I have spoken. Um, I also have written here, Shams and Dula is daddy. <laughs> That's that strut out of the darkness where he just stuns a clone, man. Ugh, ugh, love it. Khalil's probably a slave right now. He actually probably is. Ugh, poor boy. He, he, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, because he's longer life than he's, a human. He's old, yeah. He was a slave for a long time. God, he was, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Well, he gets You're welcome. Blurg. He gets his Blurg farm in 20 years. Yeah. And then dies. Oh. <laughs> At least he had a few, like, what, a good five years of freedom? Anyway, but to not to happy notes or have your notes, I guess. Um, all right, here's my, here's my big hypocrite note that I was pretty, like, I was hinting at. Hi, I'm Hope Molinax, and I'm a hypocrite because <laughs> I have said it before and I'll say it again. That it does bug me at times when, especially in like Mando season two, and at times in Book of Boba Fett, when the cameos take over from the main characters, and then they essentially throw the main characters to the sidelines. However, it doesn't bother me in this episode. Because for one, it does set up next week. For two... Hauser is representing the Bad Batch role in this. And also three, Crosshair is here as a functioning plot character and is working the plot and everything happens around Crosshair. So even though this is a very, like, Hera is the focus of this episode, it doesn't bother me here because the execution is really well done. And I feel... And I feel like that's the difference. Like, some of the episodes, like, like the Bo-Katan episode or the Ahsoka episode in Mando Season 2, I I feel like those aren't executed very well. I I like them. Actually, I, I don't like the episode, the Ahsoka episode. I think it's, I think it's horrible. <laughs> well, this one has, this one has a lot more foundation to build on, too, you know? Yeah. Well, no, well, so did Bo-Katan and stuff like that. But this one, like, had, like, actual foundation on Ryloth and, yeah. That, that's a good point. Because, like, here, it has the background of the clones. It makes sense that clones are here and part of this change happening on Ryloth because of that. Bo-Katan just shows up in Dinjarin's story. With, like, no precursors. Or just, like, sup, I'm Bro Katan, I'm gonna take over your episode. Bye bye and, like, bounce. Like, you know? But, like, this, it makes sense because so much of this show is showing the change from the Republic to the Empire. We saw it on Raxus, we saw it on Seleucami with Cutler Quinn's family. Like, that is a theme of this show, is the changing galaxy. 
Bo-Katan just literally dropped out of the sky on a boat and was just like, sup, I'm Bo-Katan, and now I'm here. And Din's just like, hey? <laughs> and and, and I, that's the difference for me is the execution. Like, I, I the more I, I think about it, I actually don't mind the two Mando episodes in the Book of Boba Fett because they thematically work for the series. And telling, because Boba and Mando, Boba and Din are two sides of the exact same coin. So thematically, those episodes work for me. Are they, is it great that it took two episodes away from Boba in the middle of his own show? No, but I get the theme of it. So like, but here, this works for me. I, I don't mind this episode, especially because next week, it's going to bring the Bad Batch in. And I think it's really well done here. And we also have Crosshair and Hauser pulling in those Bad Batch themes as well. So... Yeah, I, I like it. I think it works. So I'm a big old hypocrite. <laughs> That's, yeah, goes with the territory of yeah. opinion. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, <coughs> and opinions can change. You can yeah. hate it in one you'll episode like it, and like, yeah, you and like it in like, the next. You might hate it the next time you watch it. Probably not. But. That's all I have for this episode. Did you I don't know. Else? You know, I mean, maybe, yeah. You'll never hate it because it'll just horn you up every time you watch it. But I forgot how hot this episode was. It doesn't help that I'm in the middle of my fanfiction and I'm like writing date nights with a Twilight, so like my brain's <laughs> in like romantic land. Because so like you're just in the mode anyway. Yeah, like I'm writing <laughs> scenes of like Loden on dates with like his his girlfriend that he shouldn't be seeing because he's a Jedi, but he's falling in love with her and he doesn't know what to do. Like I'm writing those scenes, so my brain's like in like Twilight. Twilight Romance Land. So, I also love Ryloth. It's 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 up there for me. I I, just, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's all I have for this episode, though. Did you have anything else? No. You should write a part where she shows up with a uh, strap on, and he says, "I'm sorry, Jedi's can't do attachments." <laughs> I think that would be a good line in your fan fiction. <laughs> oh God, you're killing me! <laughs> I'm sure someone has made that joke, but I've never heard it. That was a di- that, I, that was a different kind of slow burn hope laugh. Either usually it starts with. But seriously, folks. <laughs> oh my god. I don't it hit me just right in the way in the gut. Hit <laughs> me right in the gut, just in the right way. Oh Chris, score up the episode. Whew. Um I probably if this was just an episode on its own, I'd probably give it an eight. Uh, but I gave it an eight point five because I am benevolent. And I know there's there's more to come for it with it. It's incomplete. But I, I, you know, I mean, I thought it was a very good episode, but it, it just kind of felt very by the books, you know, and I realized, you know, the story and the characters were propelling it forward. But it was it. It. it yeah, it just uh, it didn't land for me like you, but like, yeah, it landed very differently for you. So what was it? 
It was an 8.5, yes. Nice. I forgot this episode was so good. I, I think that's what it was. Like, I, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, like, the first time I watched this episode, I thought it was strange. But we, because, you know, it was so focused on Hera, not the Bad Batch. Um, but maybe that is the thing about having Mando season two and Boba Fett since then. Because I, I think you said this a week or two ago, a few weeks ago, where we're starting to see this kind of storytelling where you'll have the main show and then you'll have like this pivot because we have the pivot in Mando season two. We have the pivot with the two Mando episodes in Book of Boba Fett. And now this is the pivot here episodes. So I, I guess I, I kind of felt more prepared for it because we've had seen now other if those had never happened, this would still be a strange episode. But like now it's kind of become like I don't want to say a norm of Star Wars storytelling, but we're seeing it more. So it's not as weird. But I also forgot how much that crosser was in this episode, which really does carry it as a Bad Batch episode for me, because that was my other gripe coming into it was, well, the Batch is not in this. like They're barely in this, so it's not really a them episode, but Crosshair is here, and he is here at every turn, and it, it really fixed a lot of the problems that I had misremembered about this episode. So it was actually a really nice surprise because it was a lot stronger than I remember it. And like, yeah, the hotness aside, I'm making jokes, but like as an episode, it was way better than I remembered it. And it actually is a very strong Bad Batch episode for both the characters, but also the themes of the show to show the changing galaxy, what happens on a planet that won the Clone Wars versus last week with Raxus with a planet that lost the Clone Wars. So I have, it's a very strong showing, especially in comparison to last week's episode. I give it a 9.25. Really? Because it's it's not quite a 9.5 because I think my cut Queen was my 10 for 10. But it's up there. Like it is, I, I feel like it's more than just, I think the two pot, the two five is the hotness. The 0.25 is the hotness. If it wasn't hot, it would be a nine. But like it's hot. <laughs> so that's the 2.5. The 2.5. The 0.25. I can't talk. Turn. It's. Temperatures turned up a quarter of a degree. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It also could have been the gas leak, and I was kind of de- delirious. Or it for could half be the day. gas. It could be all of it. Yep. <laughs> anyway, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on Apple Podcasts or Twitter or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from Twitter and Facebook for our Bad Batch episode replacements. Replacement. Okay, the first one comes from, uh, and I think we did sound it in last week, Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze. It's a really great show, guys. You should go check out Gold Squadron Gaze. Charles, I love you. And Bradley still doesn't exist because I never talked to him yet. Because Hope has never talked with him yet, so therefore... He's a figment of Charles' imagination. He's just, he's just some guy that Charles talks about. All Actually, right. Charles, you need to have an episode where like you're just talking and like Bradley is not there, but it's well, just, just getting that conversation. Oh, I, didn't we talk about like doing that at one time? Like uh, when we finish off J guys and Jedi, it, it, we'll have the last episode, and it turns out I'm just a figment of your imagination, and you're oh, just. Oh yeah, we did joke about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just, like, it's just like we record an episode, and it's just me talking with you being silent. Yeah, yeah, we can yes, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you going like, brr, 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 in my voice, you know. And uh, 
but you're actually hearing my voice, but you're just talking in this like exaggerated male voice. Oh my god, and, it's piss pot the rabbit. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually it's all just a dream of piss pot the rabbit. Oh, oh my oh, whole life. All right. So Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze says not feedback per se. Oh god damn it. We specifically asked for feedback. Oh well, actually we asked for reviews, so maybe it's a review. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not feedback per se, but I do have a theory. The only reason Rampart exists is that Tarkin would be too competent for something like Ryloth later on. He'd never do that plan, and he certainly wouldn't tolerate the, the events of that arc. Um. Yeah, I feel well, like Tarkin's like a big guns character. Like you bring him, like like he's like Vader. He has too many other. He has a Death Star to get away from Krennic. It would so, almost be it would almost be micromanaging for Tarkin to 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 be there. Like, like in my one of my favorite scenes of Rebels when he shows up as the district the district manager to Grande Callus and Tua, and he's just like, "All right, guys, I'm here to micromanage all three of you," and they're all like, but, "Okay." Well, that's the thing is, I think they, I think, I think Tarkin, they want to sort of use somebody like Tarkin. He's you know he's a mid level manager. It's like. Listen, you guys don't straighten up. We're going to bring Tarkin in. And if that gets screwed up, Vader's coming in. And you don't want Vader coming in and doing, you know, an employee evaluation because it ain't going to work out really well. You know, you're just you're it's not like you're going to end up with a shittier office. You're going to end up, you know, living with the, going into retirement with the force or something. To that effect. <laughs> I, I, I think we should make up have a whole episode where we all just do where we just make up different um different ways. Um oh what the hell is a word that I my old brain is losing right now? When I don't you, know. Like a soft pedaled word for something. No idea what you're talking about. A euphemism. Oh, <laughs> make euphemisms of, of for for you know what happens when Vader visits or when you go to you know because there there was a joke around like after Empire Strikes Back around the like Star Wars set that like going to work for Darth Vader was a euphemism for you know oh that guy's dead <laughs> you know anyway we have another another message. I guess I guess Charles keep writing us, but that one was neither a review or feedback. But it, it just happened to be like for this episode because I uh, I'm starting to doubt. Actually, now that I think about, it, I've never thought about that before. I probably hardly any of our <laughs> reviews and feedback are reviews and feedback. That's okay. The next one is not a review or feedback either. Now that I look at it, oh my god, it sucks to be pedantic all right the next one comes from aaron henley and he simply says let's bring on the war crimes because this was the war crime episode well it's star wars you only have to sit around for a few minutes before somebody comes running in and does a war crime That's it's, it's true, almost actually. the basis of all right i'm kind of not looking forward to this hope me neither because i'm not a big fan of taffy um so i'm not a always... big fan of tamarind and I'm now noticing it's. I, I did not notice when I pulled it out. I just thought it was going to be. I can't tell if mine's actually moldy. Uh oh. 
I don't know if I can eat mine. It has kind of like a green coating to it. Like a green and white kind of weird coating to it. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now, mine does not have a green coating to it. I'm not gonna eat my candy this week, so, so as we're, always... We're, we're, we're calling the candy for the week, and I'm suspicious of mine now that you're suspicious of yours. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm so sorry, guys. Um, and, and as always, thank you to Dario for sending us candy from all over the world to review. Um, but this, we were going to do the uh, Puparindo Taraband candy from Mexico, but mine just has this kind of like weird green and white stuff on it. And mine has like a stripe of white, of like, like white um, frosting or something on it, but there's no green detectable. Yeah, it, so, it has yeah. a stripe of white too. I just I don't know if the preservatives happened on this one, but it has sugar. It says sin azúcar, which means my Spanish lessons are coming in, in. Coming into play. No, that's without sugar. It's a sugar-free candy. Sin, sin is without, so it's uh, sin azúcar. So it's a, no sugar. Oh, ew, ew. Uh, yeah, but, heisen. But, that's heisen. Yeah, but thank you, Dario, for sending it to us. Hi, Dario. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the thought. <laughs> we do, we do. We love you. We love you. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. It just it might mine looks a little sketchy, so I don't. Mine's know. been in the freezer the whole time, so maybe that. Mine has fine. not. Mine's there. been sitting on my desk. Okay. <laughs> that might be the difference maker, but if it if my candy's in the freezer, someone's gonna. Well, ask if you're not eating it. candy, I ain't eating candy. So that's how it goes down on J guys and Jedi. Well, that's how we started though, which is you were eating candy from Dario and I had none and I had to go buy my own damn Snickers <laughs> bars. So anyway, uh, did you have anything else for Devil's Deal? I do not have anything else for the Devil's Deal. All right. Well, then where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's the website for the Two True Freaks podcast. Where we have all the Two True Freaks podcasts, including J Guys and Jedi, the one you're currently listening to and somehow found, maybe through TwoTrueFreaks.com. If you're also curious as to what's what, what we're up to and uh, don't want to just keep looking at the website and saying, okay, what's up there? If you go to our Facebook page, the Two True Freaks podcast, we post up all our episodes there and sort of tell you what's going on. And we have the Two True Freaks Cantina where you can go talk about it if you got to talk about it. And if you're feeling uh, frisky, you might as well uh, pop on over to Twitter, which it looks like Elon Musk is backing down out of buying. So yay, I guess. I don't know. But uh, there you will find the Two True Freaks at Twitter, face or Facebook page, Twitter page. And that is run by the intrepid Gene. Gene. The, uh, you know, I haven't killed Gene on, on tape recently. I'm not, I'm not sure what uh, what kind of machine, Gene is. He's a classic machine. Gene. He's Mr. Machine. And if you wonder who Mr. Machine is, go go look up an ad from uh, yeah, like on YouTube, like a, a TV ad for Mr. Machine. Mr. Machine was pretty cool. I think I have a Mr. Machine out in my garage somewhere. But yeah, everyone. How are you talking? About? 
That's what you just gotta go to YouTube and look up Mr. Machine commercial or whatever, and you'll see what Mr. Machine is. Anyway, I did, that's where they... I did just Google Pisspot the Rabbit, and apparently you're on Rochester's uh, wiki, wiki, wiki yeah. page. Of course I am. Good for you, man. Good for you. I Good for Pisspot. Pro- and I had nothing to do with it. So there, that's... Basically. You didn't even do it yourself? Good for Pisspot the Rabbit, then. Well, that's usually how Wikipedia pages go. By the way, in case go. you're a new listener and you don't know who Pisspot the Rabbit is, that's Chris's puppet. Like, it's his puppet bit. <laughs> that's by the way, puppet. it's a puppet. <laughs> Because apparently you're not here, Chris has a puppeteer. I have secret plans for Pisspot the Rabbit that uh, may get pretty crazy in the future, so. So, anyway. Funny that you mentioned that. But uh, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me on Twitter, fuck Elon Musk, at Jedi. That's our Twitter page that I run. You can also find me at Hope Monax. I am also a staff writer for geek, for the Geeky Waffle, and I actually just checked my one year with the Waffles is coming up. Um, it's going to be on June 1st. It will be my one year writing for the Waffles. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and I also know I'm going to be on a couple episodes upcoming. The Waffles have a brand new podcast called, let me pull it up, called uh, Bookmark and Busy. And it's a fan, fish, fan fiction discussion podcast run by Ren. They are one of our new contributors. And I will be sitting down with them um, actually tomorrow. Um, so I don't know when the episode will be out. but uh, So keep an eye on that because I'm going to be talking fan fiction with Ren. And I'm like excited about that. And I'm also going to be on an episode coming up of Straight Out of Home Videos, which is the geeky waffle podcast about all the straight to home video disney movies and i've already been on the lion king 2 episode where everybody found out i was a fucking furry which is fine but i'm gonna be on the 101 dalmatians patches london adventure episode and we're recording that on on (laughs) face because it's the straight to home video uh really that's that's the whole podcast sounds like it yeah that totally sounds like a direct to home video title yep (laughs) Patches London Adventure. So that's going to yep. be. I'm recording that one on. I'm recording three podcasts this week. This one and those two. So check out the podcast over at the Geeky Waffle. You can sometimes find me on Space Waffles, which is my friend Arzu's Star Wars podcast. And yeah. Well, I think it's pretty obvious what we're talking about next week. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up next week. Yeah. Wrap this, wrap this mini arc up. We will be returning to Daddy Shamdula next week, guys, because we got to save him. Because next week we're going to be talking Rescue on Ryloth. So, yay! I forgot how hot this fucking episode was. (laughs) Forgot. It's so so good. Well, at least I have more of a heads up for next week of what's to come. I forgot how goddamn beautiful that man Because he does not look great in Clone Wars. But, like, they updated his animation, and he's just, he walks with, the walk cycle, (laughs) the walk cycle. I just, another, another hope dating moment where you're just like, you gotta update your animation. The walk cycle. (laughs) Anyway, bye, everybody. Bye. Go out there and update your animation, everybody. Mm. 
visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Tears. Wait a minute. Uh, um, I've got it in the tip of my tongue. Come on. Uh, oh, golly, I'm nervous. Let me see. Oh, Alexander Dumbass. <laughs> oh, Henry Dumbass.